Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and uh, I want to encourage you to invite someone to come to church. I want to invite you to, I want to encourage you to invite someone to come to church. Three. I want to encourage you to invite someone to come to church. I, I did this last week. I sent out an invitation. I invited a, a, a family to come to the egg, or egg hunt, the family fun day on Friday. And then I also sent them another e- uh, text message and I invited them to come to church. And the statistics actually are quite large and quite impressive for the number of people that will come to church when invited. It's actually quite high. Like it's more than uh, 50%. It's closer to like 75 or even higher. If you invite someone to come, they will come. So I want to encourage you, if you have a loved one, if you've got somebody you don't know and you see them on the street, invite them out. Seriously. Um, Next Sunday, we're celebrating Jesus. He is the most important person in history. He is the most important human in history. Jesus was human. He became man. He was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Don't ask me to explain that because in math, I've always figured 100% was everything. But when I see God, He blows math out the windows. Like, we know how to add 1 plus 1. He adds, like, crazy math. He can take two loaves and five, uh, five, fish, five loaves and two fish, and he can feed thousands. I can't even feed my family. I mean, I won't, say, I won't go any further with that. But God's math is amazing. And Jesus is the most important, most pivotal, most monumental person in history. And next week we're going to celebrate. I mean, we celebrate him every week. Okay? Easter is not just April the 6th next, year, uh, next week. A, uh, Easter is every day. Easter is every day. We celebrate every day, Jesus. But next week we're going to celebrate, and I'm going to actually prepare a sermon that invites people and introduces them to Christ. So we need some people here that maybe need introductions to Christ. Because I'm going to have an altar call at the end next Sunday where I'm going to ask if anybody would like to get to know Christ personally that they will come up and we will pray with them. So I need some participants. Come on, somebody smile. <laughs> so next Sunday's a big day and I want to encourage you and, and start on Friday. We're going to have a good day next Friday. And it's open to everybody, not just those with children, but all families. Hallelujah. Last Sunday, if you can take your Bibles and turn to 2 Chronicles, I want to take a couple minutes and recap what we talked about last Sunday, and then I want to continue on in that. We're looking at battle strategies. And as I've been meditating on this passage God opened up and showed me a number of things. I had a few notes come to me from my mother-in-law and my aunt, uh, her twin, both saying the same thing about a week and a half, two weeks after each other. And so I took a little bit more time studying this and going through this, and I found some 
God just opened up and revealed things to me as I was studying. I want to just recap last week. What do you do when you face fear? What do you do when you face fear? Because fear will actually come and try to take over. So there's a moment in time when you actually have a moment of fear. Something happens and there's a moment in time when that thought comes into your mind or that picture comes in front of you or that individual comes or that situation happens and there's a moment in time where fear wants to introduce and take hold in your life. Why did God tell Joshua to fear not? Why did he say fear not? Don't be afraid. It wasn't because he wasn't going to have it. It's because when he had it, he wanted to encourage Joshua not to stay there. And Jehoshaphat, he gets told from, from friends of his, some people come to him and say, listen, there's, there's three different groups of people. In verse 1, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with some of them, the Munites, not the Mennonites, the Munites. You can only get away with a joke like that in Abbotsford. Um, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And then in verse 3, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And last week, what we saw was the first thing you do when fear introduces itself, what you need to do is you literally need to turn away from it. The longer you look at it, the more it grows, the bigger it gets, and the scarier it becomes. If you sit there having a cup of tea, and all you're doing is thinking about what's trying to introduce itself, you know what? It gets larger. I don't know about you, but all of a sudden, my mind starts to race. And somebody says something like, you're not going to have enough food by the end of this week. And you sit there at the table, and all of a sudden, five minutes later, you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to have enough food. I'm going to starve. Not only am I going to starve, but my children are going to starve. And we're going to be in trouble. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And all of a sudden, if we sit there and meditate on it and think about it, we've gone from one information, one piece of information... All of a sudden, we've now come all the way over here. And that's what happens when we allow fear to stay and reside and be allowed in our houses. And when I say houses, I mean our minds, our thoughts, our places where we live. And what did Jehoshaphat do? When, it, when they came and told him, it said, fear caused him, and if you read the Hebrew, it actually talks about, and it gives you the thought that actually fear caused him to set his face. I find that interesting. So what does fear do for you? Does fear cause you to spiral, or does fear cause you to turn and say, Jesus, I need you? And Jehoshaphat, he took that fear and he turned to seek the Lord. So literally, you have to discipline yourself to turn away from those reports. And you know what will happen in life? You will get those reports. 
I've yet to see someone who has not dealt with some fearful thing that's come upon him or tried to come into their family or into their life. Life happens. Life, I have found, is not fair. Life doesn't consult with me and say, what would you like, David? Life happens. And it's what you do with it that matters. And Jehoshaphat here, life happened and these three nations or these three groups of people were coming against him. And then I want you to see in verse 9, I, I just love this. Jehoshaphat, what, what he did was he turned, sought the Lord, and then he reminded God of the promises that God had made to the children of Israel. And he reminds God of the promises that the children of Israel made to God. I find this interesting because we do this all the time with our earthly fathers, our earthly parents. When I was a kid, I would remind my dad of the things he promised. I would remind him, Dad, you promised if we were good in church, you would take us to McDonald's. Anybody, anybody ever... Any, do you ever remember going, Dad, you said, Dad, you said, you said if I wouldn't nag you, and I'm not nagging you, I'm just reminding you what you said. You said I could invite somebody. You said I could do this. You said I could go there. You said I'd have dinner. You said I could watch this or do that. And we do it quite a bit this way. And there's a passage in the Bible, I believe it's in Luke, where Jesus is talking and he says, listen, if you as fathers know how to give your kids good things, how much more does your heavenly father? And I'll be honest with you, I don't think we as believers understand how to petition our father. You can't manipulate God. He's too smart. Us parents, we're not always too smart. But God cannot be manipulated. So the worst thing you can do is go to him and say, God, you said, and then he reply and say, yes, I did. Now do this. The best thing that can happen is he say, yes, you're right. Here you go. That's a good place for an amen. So Jehoshaphat is talking and he says in verse 9, if disaster comes upon us, the sword Judgment, and, he, and he, what he's talking about is he's talking about how the descendants of Abraham, what they said to him. In verse 8, it says that they, they said to him, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Very important. He will hear and say, and that's what they were saying to God. This morning we sang songs about if God is for us, who can be against us? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. And Jehoshaphat was telling him, and he says, and now behold, all these guys are coming. And he reminds him of the words God had said to him. When fear comes, don't stand there and entertain it. You don't have to ask fear its name. You don't have to get details. 
You don't have to get it sin number. You don't have to get anything else. You, don't, you just say, hi, I'm leaving now. And set your face on Him. The longer you stay looking at it, the more it gets ingrained in your mind. So Jehoshaphat does that. Then he proclaims a fast. And then there's a word. There's a word from a prophet in the congregation. Actually, it wasn't even necessarily a prophet in the congregation, but it was somebody that God used to prophesy. And that person said in verse 15, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle that you are facing today, it's not yours. It's God's. The battle that you are facing, the thing that you are looking at that came and tried to introduce itself to you is not your problem, it's God's problem. And then he goes on and he tells him, don't be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. And then I want you to see, and that's where we got to last week, I want to see you to see a couple more aspects of some battle strategies that you can do when you're faced with something that you're not sure what to do with. And today it's very simple. There's only one battle strategy that I see, and that's called praise. Jehoshaphat here, what happens in verse 18, he bows his head with his face to the ground, and all the Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping God. Worship means to bow down, reverence. And the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korahites. And if Pastor Nelson was reading this, he'd say, if I had a name like that, I'd change it to Nelson. Stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So the one, he starts to worship the Lord, he bows down, and then all the priests of the Lord, they stand up and they praise the Lord with a loud voice. It almost goes contrary to what's happening. Because our typical response is to look at the fear and to figure it out, dwell on there, and let it become part of us. And what Jehoshaphat says, no, I'm not. And he turns and he seeks God. He reminds God of what God had said. And then he comes to him and he worships him and there's praise that's happening. Today we're going to do a little bit of praise at the end of this sermon. Because praise doesn't need to be wound up. Praise doesn't need 15 minutes of hype. Praise, praise can happen just like that. You don't have to have 25 instruments, although I love worship music and I love how it ushers in God's presence. But you don't have to be a skilled musician in, able, in order to be able to praise. It says in Psalms 115, make a joyful noise. And I thank God for that because that includes everybody. Whether you're good or whether you're twang and cause people's ears to burn, it doesn't matter. You make a joyful noise to God. Praise does not require the orchestra. Praise requires you and your voice. And we're going to do a little bit of praise today because I know that I'm not the only one in a battle. 
I know I'm not the only one. I know there's many of you facing battles that have tried to introduce themselves to you. And the best way that you can overcome them is to turn from them, seek God, and start to praise Him. Start to praise Him. What is praise? Praise is when you lift somebody up and you exalt them. Praise is for who... Um, worship is for what he, who He is. Praise is for what He's done. So we can praise somebody else. I can praise another person. I don't worship another person, but I can praise them because praise is about lifting them up, exalting them. And we should do that. We should praise our kids, for instance. You did so well. You took out the garbage only after 14 questions and times of reminder. Way to go. But we need to learn how to praise. And, and so what does praise, what does praise look like? I believe praise is as simple as saying, God, you're great. If you don't know how to praise, you can start with, you're great. God, you're the creator of everything. Praise God. Lord, I get to praise the one who was before time was. Like, like, I'm not praising the second best. Have you ever done something only to find out it's like only the second best? No, we get to praise the one who is the best. I get to praise the best. I get to praise the strongest. I get to praise the smartest. I get to praise the one that everything listens to. Everyone and everything in creation bows to. I get to praise the one that controls the wind. I get to praise the one that caused a seed to go and to grow up. I get to praise the one that spoke and it happened. That's the one I get to praise. So if I don't know what to praise, what you can do is you can just start saying, Thank you, you are the creator. You are awesome. You are powerful. You are the one that defeated sickness. You are the one that defeated depression. You're the one that defeated oppression. You're the one that defeated Down syndrome. You're the one that defeated autism. You're the one that is ruler over everything. And you start praising Him. And what happens is that builds Him up. And His Holy Spirit is attracted to praise. So they start to praise. I want you to see something because that's not the only thing that happens here. But in verse 21, and when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and they told them what to say. When you're faced with a battle, let praise go before what you do. Let praise go before the army. Let praise go before what you're about to do. Don't just jump into it and then cry, God help me. But go before that, you start praising him. What is amazing about battles that I find in the scriptures is it says in this passage, it says the battle is not yours, but it's God's. And yet he tells us to put on the armor of God. It's like you need to prepare yourself almost so that you can see how good he is. He doesn't want you to be a couch potato, but he wants you to stand and see his salvation. Yeah. 
He says he, he wanted them to praise, and he said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. That does not make a whole lot of sense when you're facing a battle. When you're facing a battle, you'd like to say, He's going to beat you up. You'd like to say, I called hail down. I call storms down. I call destruction down. And he says, no, what you want to do is you want to give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. God is attracted to praise. And when they began to sing, verse 22, if you've got a highlighter and you don't mind highlighting your Bible, you might want to highlight this verse. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. Hallelujah. When you begin to worship and you begin to praise, something happens in the heavenlies that defeats the enemy in front of you. And what you thought was insurmountable and what you thought you couldn't defeat. And those three, those four, those two, those, all those things that wanted to introduce you to fear. When they hear the praises of God, thank you Lord for your steadfast love endures forever. And all of a sudden God sets an ambush against those things that thought were going to destroy you. There's power in praise. There is power in in praise. <laughs> if I was teaching with T.D. Jakes, if you ever watch him, he'd have a praise break about right now. <laughs> he'd have the organ going, doo, 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 you know, and he'd be shouting, he'd be walking back for, just praise him, just praise him, come on, praise him. And everybody would stand up and they'd shout, you can stand up and you can say praise God. It's okay in here. We're Canadian, but that's okay. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Sinai. So the three things that came to destroy them started to turn against each other. So the Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, who in the verse before were against them, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made the, an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped <laughs> to destroy one another. I just love God's wording. What are you facing today? Do you want to know a battle strategy? Praise God. Don't overcomplicate it. You don't need 16 steps this way and 5 steps this You don't need to learn how to do the hokey pokey. You just need to learn how to do the praise God. As I said last week, as I've studied the Bible and looked at strategies and, and battles this year, because I've been looking at territory, I have found that there's many different variables, but there seems to be only one or two constants. One constant is when you seek God, you get victory. Another constant is when you don't seek God, you don't get victory. So I don't know about you, but I was raised no fool. I picked number one. Seek God victory. Don't seek God defeat. Doesn't take long to figure that one out. I see many different things. David used five stones. He used one. He went and grabbed five stones. Gideon, he used jars with, with a candle in them. 
He started out with 32,000 men. He said, if any of you are afraid, leave. 22,000 of them left. A third of his army left. That's demoralizing. Then he goes, God says, there's still too many. Take them to the water. He takes them to the water and they start, he says, just have them drink. And out of the 10,000 that were left, 300 drank in one manner. And God says, those are the 300 I need. He then says, take the 300 and make three groups of 100 and give them a, a, a candle and put a, a thing over it. And then all you do is you're just going to break the candle and you're going to shout, in the name of God and the sword of Gideon. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> David, 16 years old, some say. He wasn't 30 or 40. He was just a young fella. I find it interesting because he took his staff and he took his slingshot. And he stands in front of a guy that's bigger than Hulk Hogan. And he goes like this. You know, Andrew the Giant. And he goes like this and he says, you come against me, but you, come, you don't come against me, you come against the armies of the living God. And he just goes like that. And they say the only one area that the armor could be penetrated, a little stone gets embedded in his forehead. Crash. Elisha starts talking. The, 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 the Ahab is saying, what's going on? I think it was Ahab. Every time I try to do something, somebody hears what I'm doing and thwarts my plans. And if you read in, in the Second Kings, I believe it is, he says, it's not happened once, it's not happened twice. It's happened. Who's in my bedroom listening to what I'm saying? And somebody says, it's not us. There's no mole in the camp. It's Elisha. So he sends an army to get one man. Have you ever been approached by hundreds of people to come and get you? I mean, that would be a little intimidating. And Elisha wakes up one morning and his servant walks out and he goes, there's guys all over the place. They're around us to get us. And, then God, and Elisha says, God open his eyes. And God opens his eyes and he sees the heavenly hosts all around. Pastor Nelson saw an angel this morning. I looked, I looked, I looked. I looked a few times. I still didn't see him, but I believe it. So I'm saying, God, open my eyes. Then what he does is he blinds them. This is, God is amazing. How he does a battle is different every single time. You don't see it the same every time. He takes them, he blinds them, then Elisha leads them right into the enemy's camp and the king there says, what should I do, Elisha? And Elisha says, feed them, give them food, and give them water. He does. They turn around, they leave them, and they have never came back to the camp. That's the most interesting victory I've ever seen. You read in the Bible, there's, there's story after story of different ways battles were done. But what I see is every single time they seek God and talk to God, they get victory. They get His advice. And if God says, don't go, to me that's a victory. Because you weren't defeated. But the moment they figured they could do it all on their own, trouble came. So when I study this, I see an ingredient 
in that, seeking God's face. What do you do? You start to seek God's face. Start to praise God. Praise Him before you get in the battle. Praise Him before you get in the battle. I'm not saying don't get ready, because they got ready. They were ready for battle. But God says, it's not, you don't have to worry about it. But He didn't say, just, just, just wander in there. He said, no, I want you to get ready. You get ready, and then you start praising. And if people don't think you're crazy, the enemy will. I thought you should be stressed. No, I'm blessing God. I'm praising God. Shouldn't you worry about this? No, I'm praising God. What about this? I'm praising God. Why? Because His love endures forever. I mean, if I can't hold on to anything else, I'll hold on to His love endures forever. I will remind Him of the covenant that He made to us. I will remind Him of the words that He says in here, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God, Your Word says that You'll never leave me nor forsake me. So Lord, that's what I'm calling on. Lord, Your Word says that by Your stripes I am healed. By Your stripes I was healed. So Lord, I need Your healing. I'm going to praise You and I'm going to thank You and worship You before I get into the battle and watch what happens when You start praising God. There are too many times we don't praise, we worry. And sometimes we become our own worst enemy. And we allow the situation to dictate to us what to do instead of dictating to the situation. Doesn't mean you deny what's happening. But what it does is it brings somebody greater into the picture. I want you to see what happens. So when Judah came down from the, to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked towards the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. I mean, nobody was chasing them, and yet they didn't escape. <laughs> they, they defeated themselves. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers... This is an area you can start praising God. In great numbers, goods, clothing, and precious things which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. The spoil of victory that God has for you goes beyond what you can actually carry. It says it took them three days to take the spoil. What God has in store for you on the other side of that battle is victory. Three days worth. God, uh, Jesus was in the tomb for three days what did he do he defeated the enemy and he triumphed over him and he took the keys of death and of hell and he made a show it says that he made a show of him triumphing over him God wants you to experience victory today but the way you experience victory is different than the way a strategic or a military man would plan it the way you uh, see victory and the way you strategize is you start by praising God and what is praise praise is exalting him praise is lifting him up and what happens is when you start to praise him you get out of the way and he starts to come and he starts to be there so I want to read to you a psalm this morning if you turn in the Bible to Psalm 149 
And we're going to end by just taking a couple minutes of praising God. Not worshiping, bowing down, but praising Him by lifting Him up. By exalting Him. By saying, God, you're good. God, you're great. And if you don't know how, I want you to see in this psalm. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Sister Sheila, you and I are going to do a dance when you're feeling better. It's good to see you. You are a victory. And I believe what got you through was your dogged determination to keep praising God. And I think he surprised you. You didn't even think. Sometimes the victory God gives us is when we're not even thinking about it. You're going to have to teach me a few dance steps. Because I dance, but I dance ugly. Let them praise his name with dancing. Making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and the two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. And we don't fight flesh and blood, but we fight Fight against principalities, powers, and rulers of wickedness in wicked places. So we take the word of God and we execute it in a spiritual realm. We take the word of God and we say, enemy, you're defeated. This is the honor. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. I want to read Psalm 150. If you want to have a good time praising God, read Psalm 145, 146, 147, 148, 149, 150. And just have a good time seeing how you can praise God. Praise the Lord. Actually, we got it here. Why don't we stand and just say this? And when we're finished, we're going to take a moment just to praise God. So if you can stand as we read the Word of God. And Corinth, after we finish it, we'll wait for you to just get to the next verse. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's just take a moment. Let's just worship. Let's just praise Him. Praise you, Jesus. You are awesome, God. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. We glorify you. We exalt you. Lord, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the master of all. 
Lord, the earth is subject to your words. Creation listens to you. You spoke, God, and creation happened. You're the master of my situation. Nothing escapes you. You are exalted. I boast in you. I boast in your goodness. I boast in your salvation. I boast in your goodness to me. I boast in the joy that you have. I boast in the victory that you have. You are awesome, God. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all glory. You are worthy of all honor. Oh, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We praise you, God. You are high and lifted up. You are the King of kings. You are the master of the universe. You are the voice that caused all the earth to happen. Lord, you spoke and the worlds came into being. You are my Savior. You are the one that defeated death. I will praise you, Jesus. I will praise you, Jesus. Blessed be your name, God. Blessed be your name. Lord, I thank you for your love that endures forever. Lord, for your steadfast love that endures generation after generation after generation. We praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, take a minute. Take a minute. Thank him for the good day. Thank him for his unfailing love. Thank him for salvation. Thank him for his arms that surround you. Thank him that he takes care of your every step. Thank him that he directs your steps. Thank Him that He has angels watching over us. Thank Him that His angels surround us. Thank Him that the victory is His, the battle is His. Thank Him that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank Him that this is just a temporary place, that there's eternity waiting for you. Thank Him for His death, His resurrection, His victory. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Victory is in Jesus. Uh, my name is Wynn, and we've been attending here for a number of months, and I just wanted to share something that happened this week. We were having supper, and uh, it was a great supper at Aros, and all of a sudden, I felt my face and was starting to get really, really fat on this side, and I thought, it's not because of something that Carrie gave me to eat. Carrie's my wife. Uh, but it started swelling up and got bigger and bigger and bigger, and I couldn't understand what was going on. And all of a sudden, the thought came, okay, now I have to go to the hospital. Oh, no, two hours, three hours, four hours waiting in emergency. No, oh, no, praise the Lord. No, I don't know. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. And the thought came, and I said, praise the Lord. By his stripes I am healed. Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord. No, what happens? Oh, man, what happens if I have to stay in a hospital for two weeks? <laughs> praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And Amen. I kept on doing that. And the more I praised, the less those thought, the fewer the thoughts came. <laughs> and the more I praised, the fewer the thoughts came. By his stripes I am healed. By his stripes. Amen. And within about an hour, the swell, I mean, my face was this fat, right? I mean, it was huge. And within an hour, it had calmed right down. It was swollen Amen. really, really big. Hallelujah. So, Amen. What a place. Praise him. Hallelujah. 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 If you don't know Jesus, I'll give you an invitation right now to get to know him. If you don't relate to what's happening, we praise Jesus because of what he's done. He's provided salvation. He defeated sin. Sin is what separates us from God, and he defeated it. If you need to get to know Jesus, and if you want to get to know our Savior, the one who provides victory for us, I want to pray for you. So if there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ, and what we're talking about winning these battles, just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anybody here that would like to get to know Jesus that I'm talking about, that Wynn shared about. Hallelujah. If any of you are in a battle, I want to encourage you today to praise. Get your praise on. If you're in a battle and you're facing something that's fearful, I don't want you to deny it. But don't stay there. If you need prayer, just raise your hand right now. And we're going to do a little bit of body ministry. If you need some prayer, raise your hand. And I want people around you to lay your hands on those. So look around and find somebody in a row around you that needs prayer, that's lifted their hand, that they're facing something that, that is causing fear. And they're in a battle. Come on. Step out. We're going to pray. We're going to agree together. And we're going to encourage our brothers and our sisters in faith. Right now, just take a moment. We're doing this in closing. Just start praying over them. Start declaring goodness. Start declaring victory. Start praising God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, just declare victory. Remind God of his goodness. Praise God. Let your voices declare his goodness. Hallelujah. 
Oh, just just let God pour out. Ask God for a word for the person you're praying for. Ask God to show you something. God, what do you want to say? What is a word that I can encourage or I can pray for this individual? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we stand in agreement with our brothers and our sisters beside us, near us, around us. Lord, and we declare that the battle is not theirs, but it's yours. The battle is not yours, it's God's. And Lord, we will stand and we will begin to praise you. Despite what might be in front of us, despite might be what we see, we will stand and praise God. We will stand and praise God and we will lift you up and exalt you above what we see. And we will declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will declare your steadfast love. We will declare your healing. We declare your peace that passes understanding. We declare the wisdom of God to flood the situation. We declare the joy of a brother and a sister to come and to be with us. Lord, you stick closer than a brother. Holy Spirit, pour yourself into the vessels right now. Lord, this week, may we be agents of praise. May we deploy this battle strategy in a way that confounds the enemy and it releases the heavenly. Lord, I ask also, God, for those that we love so close to us that maybe don't know you. Lord, I ask that you would pour out your Spirit through us to them, that we would display your love a love that goes beyond appearances, a love that penetrates the heart. And that we would exercise praise this week that would even open doors into lives around us. And I pray for everyone here that is facing some battle, that they would walk away today encouraged, strengthened, and knowing that the battle is yours. And that we will stand and see the salvation of our God. Bless everyone now in your precious name. Amen.